Section sixteen of Cleek of Scotland Yard by Thomas W. Hanshu. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirteen. It was precisely ten minutes past five o'clock, and the long lingering May twilight was but just beginning to gather when the spring cart of the Rose and Thistle arrived at the Abbey stables and cleek and mr narkom descending therefrom found themselves the centre of an interested group composed of the major and lady mary the countryside doctor and captain mactavish the captain who had nothing scottish about him but his name was a smiling debonair gentleman with flaxen hair and a curling fair moustache and cleek catching sight of him as he stood leaning in a carefully studied pose against the stable doorpost with one foot crossed over the other one hand in his trousers pocket and the other swinging a hunting crop whose crook was a greyhound's head wrought in solid silver concluded that here was perhaps the handsomest man of his day and that in certain sections of society he might be guaranteed to break hearts by the hundred it must be said of him however that he carried his manifold charms of person with smooth serenity and perfect poise that if he realised his own beauty he gave no outward evidences of it he was calm serene well-bred and had nothing of the doll or the johnny element in either his bearing or his deportment he was at once splendidly composed and almost insolently bland pleased to meet you mr cleek read a great deal about you one way and another he said when the major made the introduction a performance which the captain evidently considered superfluous as between an army officer and a police detective sorry i shan't be able to remain and study your interesting methods however should have been rather pleased to do so otherwise and i for my part should have been pleased to have you do so captain i assure you replied cleek the first intonation of his voice causing the captain to twitch up his head and stare at him as if he were a monstrosity shall you be leaving us then before the investigation is concluded well i'm blessed why how in the world oh er uh, yes obliged to go wire from london this afternoon regiment sails for india in two days beastly nuisance shall miss the derby and all that by the way norcross if this chap succeeds in finding the filly in time for the race that little bet of ours stands of course of course agreed the major ready are you mr cleek right you are come along and he forthwith led the way into the stable where chocolate maid like a perfect horse in french bronze stood munching hay in her box as contentedly as if there were no such things in the world as touts and swindlers and horse-thieves and her companion of two days ago still shared the quarters with her gad but she's a beauty and no mistake major said cleek as he went over and leaning across the low barrier of the enclosure patted the mare's shoulder and smoothed her glossy neck i don't wonder that you and her ladyship have such high hopes for her future the creature seems well-nigh perfect yes she is a pretty good bit of horseflesh replied he 
but not to be compared with highland lassie in speed wind or anything there she is mr cleek and it's as natural as life the beauty speaking he waved his hand toward a framed picture of the missing animal a coloured gift-plate which had been given away with the easter number of the horseman and which pharaoh had had glazed and hung just over her box cleek following the direction of the indicating hand looked up and saw the counterfeit presentment of a splendidly proportioned sorrel with a splash of white on the flank and a white stocking on the left forefoot a beauty as you say major agreed he but do you know that i for my part prefer the charms of chocolate maid maybe bad judgment upon my part but there you are what a coat what a colour what splendid legs the beauty mind if i step in for a moment and have a look at her the major did not so he went in forthwith and proceeded to look over the animal's points feeling her legs stroking her flanks examining her hoofs and it was then and then only that the major remembered about the visit to the farriers over at shepperton old cross and began to understand that it was not all simple admiration of the animal this close examination of her oh by jove i say he blurted out as he made with cleek a sudden discovery his face going first red and then very pale under the emotions thus engendered she hasn't any new shoes on has she so she can't have been taken to the farriers after all no said cleek she can't i half suspected that she hadn't so well let it go let's have a look round highland lassie's box please hmm yes very nice very splendid everything of the best and all in apple pie order by the way major you surely don't allow harness to be washed and oiled in here certainly not what in the world could have put such an idea into your head merely that bit of rag and that dirty sponge tucked in the corner over there and half covered by the bedding the major went over and touched the things with the toe of his boot it's one of those imps of stable boys the young vandals he declared as he kicked the rag and the sponge out of the box and across the stable floor it's well for them that pharaoh isn't about or there would be some cuffed ears for that sort of presumption the young beggars hello found something else no said cleek that is nothing of any importance merely a bit torn from an old handbill see it probably got mixed up with the bedding it's of no account anyhow here he gave his hand a flirt as if flinging the bit of paper over the low barrier of the box instead of which he cleverly palmed it and afterward conveyed it unsuspected to his pocket you were right in what you declared this afternoon major for a case of such far-reaching effects it is singularly bald in the matter of detail at all events there's no more to be discovered here by the way doctor am i privileged to go up and see the patient i should like to do so if i may by all means sir by all means 
replied the doctor. "'I am happy to inform you that his condition has considerably improved since my visit at noon, Mr. Cleek, and I have now every hope that he may pull through all right.' "'Excellent,' said Cleek. "'But I think I shouldn't let that good news go abroad just yet a while, doctor. If you haven't taken anybody into your confidence regarding it as yet, don't do so.' "'You haven't, have you?' "'No. That is, nobody but those who are now present. I told the Major and her ladyship on their return this afternoon, of course, and, naturally, Captain McTavish. He was with me at the time I made the examination, which led me to arrive at the conclusion that the man would survive.' "'Ah,' said Cleek, and the curious one-sided smile went slowly up his cheek. "'Oh, well, everything is all right among friends, of course, but I shouldn't let it go any farther. And now, if you please, let us go up to Farrow's room.' They went up forthwith, Lady Mary alone refraining from joining the group, and a moment or two later Cleek found himself standing beside the bed of the unconscious trainer. He was a strong, sturdily built man, this Tom Farrow, upon whose integrity the Major banked so heavily in his warm, trustful, outspoken way. And if the face is any index to the mind, which in nine cases out of ten it isn't, that trustfulness and confidence were not misplaced. For Farrow's was a frank, open countenance which suggested a clear conscience and an honest nature even though it was now pale and drawn with the lines that come of suffering and injury. At Cleek's request, the doctor removed the bandages and allowed him to inspect the wound at the back of the head. Hmm, made with a heavy implement shaped somewhat after the fashion of a golf stick, and almost as heavy as a sledgehammer, he commented. Arm broken, too. Probably that was done first, and the man struck again after he was on the ground and unable to defend himself. There are two blows, you see. This one just above the ear, and that crushing one at the back of the head. That's all I care to see, Doctor, thank you. You may replace the bandages. Nevertheless, although he asserted this, it was noticeable that his examination of the stricken trainer did not end here for while the doctor was busy replacing the bandages, he took the opportunity to lift the man's hands and inspect them closely, parting the fingers and looking at the thin, loose folds of skin between them. A few minutes later, the bandages being replaced and the patient turned over to the nurse in charge, the entire party left the room and filed down the stairs together. "'Any ideas, Mr. Cleek?' questioned the major eagerly. "'Yes, plenty of them,' replied he. "'I rather fancy we shall not have to put you to the trouble of housing us at the Abbey to-night, Major. The case is a shallower one than I fancied at first. I shouldn't be surprised if we cleared it all up inside of the next two hours.' "'Well, I'll be dithered!' exclaimed the major, aghast. "'Do you mean to tell me that you've got at the bottom of the thing? "'That you've found something that leads you to suspect where the animal is?' "'More than suspect, Major. I know where she is.' 
by half past seven o'clock to-night if you want me to make you a promise i'll put her bridle into your hands and she will be at the other end of it you will i certainly will major my word for it well of all the dash i'm done i'm winded i'm simply scoop dry where on earth did you get your clothes man you never did anything but walk about that i could see and now to declare i say mactavish did you hear that did you hear what he has promised eh <laughs> i heard responded the captain with a laugh but i believe when i see i say mr inspector where did you find the secret hidden between pharaoh's fingers or wrapped around chocolate maid's legs both said cleek serenely tell you something else if you care to hear it i know who poisoned the dog the other night pharaoh did it himself the major's exclamation of indignation was quite lost in the peal of the captain's laughter ha 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 hawkshaw out hawkshaw cried he derisively find out that too from pharaoh's fingers oh no that would be impossible he washed them before he went out that night and they've been washed by the nurse several times since i found it out from the dog himself and he's not the only dog in this little business believe me though i'm willing to stake my reputation and my life upon it that neither one nor the other of them had any hand in spiriting away the missing horse who did then mr cleek who did tom farrow and tom farrow alone major began cleek and then stopped suddenly interrupted by a painful circumstance by this time they had reached the foot of the stairs and were filing out into the stable again and there by the open door lady mary norcross was standing endeavouring to soothe and to comfort a weeping girl maggie macfarland the dairymaid from nan oh but say winner dear say winner she was crying out distressfully if i thought the sin o that were added to the sair conscience o me then with a sudden intaking of the breath as if drowning and a sudden paleness that made her face seem ivory white she cowered away with hands closed shut and eyes wide with fright as she looked up and saw the gentleman descending it winna matter it winna matter i can come again my lady she said in a frightened sort of whisper which rose suddenly to a sort of wailing cry as she faced round and ran like a thing pursued cleek glanced round quietly and looked at captain mctavish he was still his old handsome debonair smiling self but there was a look in his eyes which did not make them a very pleasant sight at present upon my word seaton i cannot make out what has come over that silly girl said lady mary as her liege lord appeared she came here begging to be allowed to go up and see pharaoh and to be assured that he would live and then the moment you all put in an appearance she simply dashed away as you saw i really cannot understand what can be the matter with her don't bother about that just now mary don't bother about anything my dear but what this amazing man has promised 
exclaimed the major excitedly do you know he has declared that if we give him until half-past seven to-night here cleek interrupted your pardon major i amend that he said i know all about the horse and it will not now take so long as i thought to know all about the dog as well give me one hour major just one gentlemen all and i will give you the answer to the riddle every part of it dog's part as well as horses here on this spot so surely as i am a living man major all i ask of you is one thing let me have a couple of your grooms out there on the moor inside of the next fifteen minutes please may i have them certainly mr cleek as many as you want two will do thanks two are enough for fair play in any little bout and not going to stop and see the finish captain it will all be over in an hour sorry but i've got my packing to attend to my man ah to be sure oh well it doesn't matter you know the proverb if the mountain will not come to mahomet why mahomet must go to the mountain of course said cleek i'll just slip round to the dairy and have a glass of milk to brace me up for the business and then in one hour in just one by the watch you shall have the answer to the riddle here then with a bow to lady mary he walked out of the stable and went round the angle of the building after maggie macfarland end of section sixteen